Well, hello, everyone, and welcome into the Above the Rim podcast, where we talk nothing but the hottest topics in the NBA. I am your host, Tyler, here, and it is Tuesday, December 8th, and we have a lot to get into today. As usual, first things first, we will get into an update on James Harden. We do have some breaking news come out of there today and what's going on there after he's missed a few of their practices to start training camp. We will also get into Kyrie Irving and his controversial comments on LeBron James and also his controversial statement on Media Day about why he did not take place in Media Day and what that means really for the rest of the season. And we also have to get into the NBA releasing the first half of the NBA schedule. I'll tell you what I think about it and really some good games to look forward to along the way of the NBA season. And then lastly, we will play a little game called Better or Worse, where I take a few handful of teams and we will discuss whether I believe they will be better or worse this upcoming season. So as I said, we got a lot to get into. Let's not waste any more time and let's just jump right in. And as I said in the intro there, we will start with James Harden because there has been quite a bit of news coming out about James Harden through the past weekend. So we just got to break it all down for you. First of all, James Harden has not been at any training camp practices for the Houston Rockets this year. And that surprises really nobody. I mean, we all knew James Harden wasn't happy, so it's not surprising that he hasn't been to training camp. But what is surprising is that he did tell the Rockets that Sunday night he was going to attend an individual workout, and he did not actually make it. And now we know why. Obviously, through the weekend, James Harden violated the NBA rules. Now, there hasn't been any official word on this, so I don't know if he actually violated it or what the deal is here, but According to me, I think he did violate it because the NBA said all of its players should have been at home this past week in quarantining. And, well, your boy James Harden was out at the strip clubs and he was out celebrating Lil Baby's birthday. And, of course, it's got everyone wondering, what does that mean? Is he trying to send a statement to the Houston Rockets? And the answer simply is yes. He is trying to send a statement to the Houston Rockets. And the statement is resounding. And it is, I want out. And really, we're all not surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised. I don't know about you guys. He said that he would attend this year like it was going to be a professional year. But obviously, you know, NBA players have all of the power when it comes to this type of thing, and they will utilize that power. Now, we all know when this started, the Rockets said they were willing to get uncomfortable. So for me, this is James Harden kind of calling their bluff. And he's basically telling the Rockets, well, how uncomfortable are you willing to get? Because I might even be willing to get a little more uncomfortable. And you heard it with Steven Silas saying that he really wishes James Harden was at practice. He wishes he was at the training camp because it's hard to get anything done when your best player isn't there. But James Harden has spoken. He does not want to be there. And it all started with the violation of the NBA rules this past weekend. And then his sister even came out and said that his pain is her pain, basically insinuating that the thought of being with the Houston Rockets again next season is painful for James Harden, and he's in pain because of that. And if that wasn't enough for you, James Harden's mom even came out and said, hey, Rockets, he's given you 200%. Now all he's asking for is for you to put him in position to go win a championship and get him out of there. Now look, I get why James Harden wants out. I really do. 
I do. I mean, the Rockets are not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Even though they said he wanted John Wall over Westbrook, that doesn't mean that he stated, hey, if you go out and get John Wall, then I'm going to stay for sure. Because obviously we all know that John Wall does not make the Houston Rockets a championship team. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you put it, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, two injury-riddled players, do not make the Houston Rockets a championship team. Now, maybe John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins from like, three to four years ago, maybe that's something to be excited about. But this right now, it's nothing to be excited about. And I get why James Harden wants out. And it's simple. James Harden has done everything in the NBA besides win a championship. That's all he has left to prove, folks. He's made his money, which is why he turned down the two years, $100 million contract from the Rockets. He turned down the first opportunity to be the first, $50 million paid man, he turned that down. He was going to be the first in NBA history to make $50 million a season. He turned it down. Why? Because clearly money is not what he wants. And we all know he has the individual accolades. He's won the MVP. We all consider James Harden, at least I do. I don't know about you guys, but James Harden is one of the best offensive players ever. It's just that simple. I mean, he's on path to have one of the most iconic moves in the NBA. When you think about Kareem, you think about that sky hook. Well, I guarantee you, when James Harden retires, you're going to think about that step back three. That is his move, and it it is as synonymous with him as the Kareem is with the sky hook. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That is what James Harden has done. He has all the individual awards. Now the only thing missing is to win a championship, and I don't disagree with what he's doing. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, hey, you know, the NBA's changed. The players have too much power nowadays. All they want to do is move teams and all this. Well, what I'm saying is, hey, if you know you really don't have a shot to win, then why the hell would you not move? I mean, really, what are you trying to do? And I always bring up Bradley Beal at this point because I always hear these people, oh, the NBA's so bad now. All these players want to move. Really? Well, what do you think about Bradley Beal? And they're like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't really know what to think about him. Yeah. You want to know why? Because his talent is better than his team's talent, and it always will be, and we all know he's not going to win anything with the Wizards. So what is he really doing for his legacy? What it comes down to for basketball players, especially those the tier of James Harden, is they want to be remembered. They want to leave a legacy. They want to be in the history books. They want to be the best players of all time. And we, the fans and the media say that you cannot even touch that conversation if you have no championships. That is the pressure that we put on these players. So it's a cause and effect here. We all say that, so what do they do? All right, well, I guess James Harden says, well, I guess all these historic seasons that I've put up, you know, averaging 36 a game, winning this MVP, I guess that doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because I don't have a ring, so nobody's ever going to look at me as one of the greatest of all time. And you see the narrative. It does change once you win an NBA title. It changes. I mean, look at Anthony Davis before this season. People were wondering, man, is Anthony Davis really that guy? Is he really the guy you can count on? Does he have that dog in him? Does he have that dog mentality? Is he going to get physical? Well, now that he's won a ring, now what's everyone saying? Man, you know, Anthony Davis has a chance to become the best power forward to ever play the game. So we can't have it both ways as fans in the media. So in that case, 
I don't agree with the fact that James Harden wants out because the Rockets are not going anywhere. And it's not just this year. It's for the foreseeable future. Look, John Wall's under contract for a few years. Okay, you got that. Plus, when Daryl Morey was there, they took a whole bunch of draft picks to get CP3. And then they turned around and did the same thing to get Russell Westbrook. So really, this team has no flexibility in the future. And this rebuild is not going to be just for one season. No, this rebuild is going to be for a few seasons. And when you're James Harden, you're in a race right now. And you're in a race against time. You don't have a few seasons to wait for this team to get good, to be title contenders. James Harden's time is right now. He is in the prime of his career. If he wants to win a title or even a few, he can't wait. And James Harden isn't the first player to do this. Hell, Kobe Bryant did it in the beginning of 2007. He said, hey, I don't like what the Lakers are bringing me, and I want to win titles, so I need to get out of here. So I don't find anything wrong with the, anything wrong with what James Harden is doing in terms of the fact that he wants out. Now, what I do have a problem with is the way he's handling it because it's not very good. Now, ultimately, if you're James Harden, you feel like you have the power, and ultimately this whole thing might swing in your way, and it might work out. Of course, that's what he's hoping. That's why he's doing it. He's flexing his muscles, per se. He's flexing his power. But I do also believe in another note that if he were more professional about it, the Rockets might be more willing to get him somewhere to contend. I mean, hell, if you look at his contract, he's still under contract for two more years. So what does that mean? That means the Rockets are under no pressure really to send him where he wants to go because no matter where he goes, he has to play out that contract for two more years. So really, I think for James Harden, everything would smooth itself over a little more if he was a bit more professional about the whole thing, and now we might be seeing it. Maybe he just missed a few days of training camp because he did arrive in Houston today. He did take his COVID test. We'll see what happens from here on out. But I think if he just handled this a lot more professionally, maybe the Rockets would be more willing to work with him instead of maybe trying to work against him now because right now all he's doing is probably pissing the Rockets off. I mean, you got to think Tillman Fertitta is not happy with what's going on. He has a new head coach in Steven Silas who was who basically went there because he was very excited about the prospect of working with Russell Westbrook, who is now gone, and James Harden, who is now probably on his way out. And this thing for the Rockets, this is going to get a lot more dramatic. I mean, I've watched basketball a long time. I've seen how these things play out. You saw with Anthony Davis in New Orleans, the longer the season goes on and the player's not traded, the more uncomfortable it gets to eventually where it gets so uncomfortable that the Rockets might even just say, you know what, don't even show up. We don't want you to play like the Pelicans did with Anthony Davis. And that's their right. That is their right. That is why I think it is really in the best interest of James Harden to just play ball here, be professional, have a sit down with the front office, have a sit down with Steven Silas, and just tell him the truth. Hey, I will be professional for my time here. I will do that. I have given you guys 100% because I'm not going to doubt that. James Harden certainly has. He has tried to get that team where they want to go. It just hasn't worked. So if I'm James Harden, I'm saying, hey, I've given you this. I've given you that. Now I need you to do me a favor, and we can come up with something where we both walk away from this winners in some sort of way. That's all it takes right now for James Harden to really get where he wants to go. And it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out because today 
he did actually kind of lean forward and kind of compromise a little bit and say, all right, if you're not going to get me to Brooklyn, he gave the okay to the Rockets to send him to Philly or other contenders. Now, the other contenders were not named, but you know what I'm saying. It, you, you know a contender when you see one, especially one if they added James Harden, they would instantly be a contender. But it seems like right now his top two destinations are the Nets and the 76ers, which is a big jump. Because just a few weeks ago, it seemed like it was only the 76ers. But today he did come out and say, or only the Nets. But today he did come out and say that he'd be fine with going to 76ers or other contenders. So he is compromising a little bit here. But I think what the Rockets want from him is to show up for now and be a little more professional about the whole situation. Now, a trade to the Nets would really surprise me at this point because I just don't think it's going to happen unless the Rockets really just decide to work with James Harden that much, which I just don't see happening. And the 76ers, I could see that one, but Daryl Morey, as we know, has stated that he's committed to giving Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid one full year to see what they can do together, see what they can do with the team that he built around him. So, I mean, it kind of cancels out the Nets and 76ers. Now, obviously, the 76ers could get back into this if Ben Simmons and Embiid aren't playing the way that Daryl Morey has projected them to play this season in the first half of the season. And you could see him get dealt before the trade line, trade deadline, excuse me. So that's that's definitely a possibility. But as things stand right now, it seems like the Nets and the 76ers really are a long shot. But what I want to do is look at a couple dark horse teams that could get into this James Harden race. And one of them is the Miami Heat. Now, we all know the two top destinations for James Harden are in the East. And to me, he's got the right idea. You don't want to go out West. You got LeBron James there. You got Anthony Davis there. You got Steph Curry there. And you got Kawhi Leonard there. So you don't want to go out West. That's not the best move to go to, especially when you got the Nuggets that are up and coming. I think the move right now for James Harden is to move out east. And if he were to do that, I could see Pat Riley and the Miami Heat becoming dark horses in this whole thing. Now, we all know Miami wants to add another superstar. They were going to go hard at Giannis, and they still might. We don't know. We'll have to see next summer, and we'll have to see if Giannis signs his extension this summer or this winter, I guess it would be now, but during this offseason. And if not, then the Miami Heat could definitely be in play for him, and that would knock them out of the Harden sweepstakes, of course. But we also know that the Heat were going to go after Bradley Beal. So it's clear. The Miami Heat are interested in adding another star-slash-superstar to their roster, and they definitely have the talent to give away. And we all know Pat Riley. Do not underestimate Pat Riley when it comes to getting a deal done and when it comes to winning. He has been one of the best in the league at that since he's entered the league, to be quite frank with you. So I could definitely see where the Heat could put together a nice package, one that could get James Harden to the Miami Heat, and that would certainly be interesting. That would certainly make them a big contender next year because even though the Heat had a great season last year, I think we all can agree they're kind of one star away from really becoming a championship contender. Now, I know they made the finals last year, but I am kind of of the same belief as the executives in the NBA that it was kind of a bit of a fluky run, and I would like to see it done again. So you do kind of get the feeling that they're a superstar away and James Harden would definitely put them in that conversation if they were able to pull that off. So don't overlook the Miami Heat in this. And they are one of the contenders that James Harden is talking about because I don't know how you could look at the Miami Heat 
a team that made the finals last year, a team that knocked out the number one seed in the East. I don't know how you can look at them and say that they're not a contender. So it seems like that would be okay with James Harden. But I'm also going to throw a West team out there just to be fun with it, and that's the Golden State Warriors. We know they tried to trade for him before Thompson got hurt with his Achilles, but who's to say that they can't do it now after that? Now, it would take people like Andrew Wiggins and maybe James Wiseman to really play well the first part of the season. And maybe that's all the Rockets need to see. If they saw that, maybe that would be enough to get James Harden over to Golden State. And maybe the Rockets would want to take Clay even off of Torn Achilles if they really believe he can get back to being the same type of player. So the two dark horse teams in this, I believe, are the Warriors and the Heat. And I will have to see how this all plays out. Obviously, it's looking increasingly likely that James Harden is going to begin the season in a Rockets uniform. We'll just have to see if he ends the season in a Rockets uniform, and that will be the most interesting part to look out for with the James Harden saga right now. But with that, it is time to move on to the media circus and the media entertainment that is Kyrie Irving. Now, on a past podcast of Above the Rim, we did talk about Kyrie's comments about Kevin Durant saying that Kevin Durant is the only clutch player that he feels like he played with, or basically saying that Kevin Durant's the only player that he's played with that he feels like, Kyrie feels like, can make a shot at the end of a game. Now, LeBron did have a response to this, and we'll just get into this very quickly before we move on to other Kyrie Irving media shenanigans. And LeBron did have a response to Kyrie Irving on the Road Trippin' Podcast. If you saw that part two of that interview last night, LeBron did say that it hurt him a little bit. And I hear a lot of people hating on LeBron for it, but I don't think LeBron was hating or was hurt in the fact that Kyrie didn't think he was clutch. I think he was more hurt in the fact just to see where him and Kyrie's relationship has gone. Excuse me. Because, I mean, I watched the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron first got there to the end. When LeBron first got there, he really took Kyrie Irving under his wing. He tried to make sure Kyrie had everything. And they really had what seemed to be on the surface a great relationship. And we all know somewhere along the line that changed. And it probably changed when Kyrie Irving was mentioned in trade talks for Paul George. I don't know if y'all remember that, but that seems to be really when the whole dynamic started to change. And those guys were really close. I mean, they won a championship together. When they came back 3-1, they greeted each other. I mean, they were hugging each other. It was moments of joy, and you felt like they genuinely had respect for each other. But since then, that certainly changed. And I think LeBron is hurt by that more than what Kyrie said, if you get what I'm saying. I think he's more hurt of the fact that he knew how close they used to be. And just to see them now, how how it's kind of all fallen apart, I think that does hurt LeBron a little bit. Because as LeBron said, he tried to give Kyrie everything. He tried to give him the keys of the franchise he was going to when he felt Kyrie was ready. He wanted Kyrie to be an MVP of the league. He stated that on multiple occasions that not only does he want Kyrie to be MVP of the league, that he believes that Kyrie can. So I'm sure he feels kind of backstabbed, and I'm sure I'm sure this is all kind of one-sided. I'm sure when LeBron looks at Kyrie, he doesn't have much resentment there for him. But definitely when you look at Kyrie Irving, it is very clear that he has a lot of resentment towards LeBron James, and understandably so, that hurts him. 
that does hurt. It would hurt any human being. So it does hurt LeBron. But I don't think LeBron's hurt because Kyrie doesn't think he's clutch. I think LeBron could care less. Look, when you lead the league in NBA history, when you lead in NBA history in playoff buzzer beaters, come on now, and playoff game winners, I mean, if you say I'm not clutch, it ain't going to bother me. I mean, look at the numbers. <laughs> so I think LeBron's a little more hurt by the fact that Kyrie by the fact that him and Kyrie's relationship has fallen so much from where it started to, because when you look at it, it is kind of sad. And I'm speaking as a fan, you have seen it year by year by year, and it has fallen. It has taken the tumble from where it started. And anytime that happens between two people, it is a sad thing. But now with that out of the way, we do got to move on to more Kyrie shenanigans because, of course, we all know by now he skipped the Nets media day and he released a statement saying he wants his play to speak for itself and saying he wants his message conveyed properly. So basically what he's saying is the media is going to twist and turn my words and they're going to make something out of nothing. And to be honest with you, I don't know what Kyrie's talking about. I mean, really, man, get, give it a break. Really? He brings all of this onto himself, okay? The media does not make up what Kyrie Irving says. He brings it onto himself. Case in point, when he was with the Boston Celtics, do you all remember? What did he say before they even played a game that season? Oh, they asked him if he would want to return and be a Boston Celtic. And he said, oh, if you guys will have me, I would love to be here for a long time. And it was only a year later he decided to pack up and go to Brooklyn. But he claims that the media twisted his words. Just look at the video. Kyrie Irving himself stated he wanted to stay in Boston. That's not the media. The media didn't make that up. It's on camera, bro. It's on camera. You said that. And then now let's go to playing in the bubble. Who was the biggest opponent of playing in the bubble? Would you be shocked if I told you that the biggest opponent of that, the biggest opponent of playing in the bubble wasn't even going to play to begin with? Would you be shocked to hear that? Because I know I would, but guess what? That's what happened. Kyrie Irving was recovering from surgery, wasn't even planning on playing in the bubble, but he had a ton to say about why these other people shouldn't play in the bubble. He had a lot to say about it. He wasn't even going to play to begin with. So, bro, why, why does it even matter to you? Why does it even matter to you? And nobody nobody brings this on Kyrie. He brings it on to himself. I mean, who said that he, they think the earth is flat? That was you, Kyrie. And then the media reported it, and then you want to act like they're an enemy. I mean, I don't get where Ky Kyrie's coming from. Even with this last thing, with LeBron saying that only that KD's the only player he trusts to make a last shot on a team. And he basically come out and made a little video, oh man, if I was talking about LeBron, I'd say his name. I mean, dude, who else did you think? Who else, who else were we supposed to think you were talking about? Kevin Love? Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum? I mean, Kyrie, you're smarter than this. And to me, what it seems like is that Kyrie doesn't want to be held accountable for his own statements, for his own actions. That's what it seems like, because he has said 
all of these things himself. And when the media calls him out on it or reports on it, he gets angry because he doesn't want to be held accountable for what he says or what he does. So now he's taking the approach of, well, I just don't want to talk to the media. And what I want to know is, well, do you not just want to talk to the media for the first Brooklyn Nets media day? Or do you not want to talk to the media at all for the rest of the year? Because that would be a huge, huge problem. I mean, Kyrie Irving does not come off good here. You're making 30 plus million a year and you're complaining about having to answer some questions. I mean, what do you think his Nets teammates think of this? Now, I know Kevin Durant wanted to play with him, but who knows? He might not know this is what Kyrie is planning to do. So if you're Kevin Durant, put yourself in Kevin's shoes. What are you thinking right now? Oh, bro, so okay. So when we have a loss and say that you make a bad play, Kyrie, now I got to be the one to come out and face the media and answer for you? When we all know when I come up with an answer for you, you're not going to like that answer because it didn't come from your mouth? I mean, Kyrie, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? If your team fails to make the finals, which I can argue they are favorites to do so in the East, you're going to really sit there and make your teammates answer for that failure when you and Kevin Durant are the two faces of the team. We just saw this with the Clippers, kind of, in a way. And it's not going to go over well with his teammates. This is not going to go over well with his teammates. It may go over well with KD and DeAndre Jordan because all those guys are boys, and that's great. But the rest of that squad, it's it's not it's not going to come down like that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, and this is why I want to pick the Nets to make the finals out of the East, but I do have hesitancy. And my hesitancy is not Kevin Durant coming back from injury. My hesitancy is Kyrie Irving. He has the opportunity to blow this whole thing up. And I just hope that Kevin Durant thought about this before joining Brooklyn because Stephen Curry is, I could argue, about 10 times the teammate that Kyrie is. So I really hope Kevin thought this through because what it seems to me like is, what it seems to me is when things go south, you're not going to be able to find Kyrie, Kevin. No, you're going to have to answer for things yourself. And that only can work for so long. It'll work. It'll work for a while. But guess when it stops working? When things start to go south. So that's what I'm interested in watching with this Nets team. Is, hey, when things aren't looking so bright, when things are looking kind of dark and gloomy, how does this team respond? And really, how does Kyrie respond? And is he really serious about the media? And is he not going to speak for it the rest of the year? Or was it just media day? Because to me, that statement, I want my message to be conveyed properly, and I want my play to speak for itself. That's not just a media day statement. That's him saying for the rest of the season, I'm not going to talk to the media. And it'll certainly be interesting to see how this plays out. But I got no sympathy for you, Kyrie. I really don't. I mean, everything the media has called you out on, you have said yourself. And at some point, as a leader... You have to take responsibility. And that's just the truth of the matter. For both good and bad reasons, the Nets are going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch this season. And we'll just have to see how everything plays out during the year. But with that, the NBA has released 
the first half of their schedule. Finally, we've been waiting on it for a while. They finally released the whole thing. I know they gave us the openers and the Christmas Day games. Of course, they gave us that a little bit early. But now we have the full first half of the schedule. And we do got some things to talk about it here. And number one is the primetime games. The Lakers have the most primetime games. No surprise there. Defending champions, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Of course, they're going to have the most. It's the Lakers. It's LA. It's basketball's biggest brand. Now, the next surprising thing is that the Pelicans, Warriors, and Celtics are all tied for second with 14 primetime games. Now, that's a little surprising to me because do I love Zion? Of course I do. Do I want him to succeed? Of course I do. No doubt about it. Do I want to see him on TV? Of course I do. But are they good enough, really, to have 14 primetime games to be tied with the Warriors and Celtics? Are the Pelicans really good enough for that acknowledgement? I don't think so. Brandon Ingram's a very nice player. Make no mistake about it. I do love me some Brandon Ingram. But we all know why the Pelicans are any even in this race for primetime games, and that's because of Zion. And I would be lying to you guys if I said I don't still have questions about Zion, because I do. I really do. I know the NBA is pushing for it, and I know they want it more than anything for Zion to be the guy, for him to be the next guy after LeBron, but it's just hard for me to believe right now. I mean, the guy doesn't have a jump shot. He has shown a lack of ability to lose some weight, even though everyone in the NBA and everyone who watches acknowledges that he needs to lose some weight. And I'm just questioning Zion's overall skill level. I mean, when LeBron came out of high school, he was very, very skilled. Yes, he was hyped, but the man had skill. With Zion, I'm looking at Zion, I'm like, is he more of a LeBron or is he more of a Blake Griffin? And to me... From what I've seen so far, I don't know how you can say he's not more of a Blake Griffin. Now, I know the NBA is going to put him to the forefront. Of course they are. But I just didn't expect the Pelicans to be tied for second for most primetime games. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And that doesn't draw ratings for the NBA is non-playoff teams playing on TV. So that's what bothers me about the NBA. And I really do think the NBA should be able to do like a flex schedule. Because I can't tell you how many times I'm watching, you know, ESPN or whatever on a Wednesday or a Friday or a TNT on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And there's two teams that they got playing on TV. But there's another game going on with better teams that I wish was on TV. But we all know the NBA loves to push its stars. And that's what they're doing here. And for the NBA's sake, I really hope that the Pelicans can make the playoffs. But... I certainly have serious doubts about it. I really do. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think possibly by February that this team's going to be kind of uninteresting in terms of the playoff race. So it's a mistake to me to have them play 14 times on primetime. Now, the other two teams, though, who come in second place in primetime games, Warriors and Celtics, I got no problem with that. The Celtics have proven that they are going to be a good team. They're one of the top teams in the East. Jason Tatum is up and coming. Jalen Brown, we all know what he did in the bubble. My Lord, is he coming. And then they got Kemba Walker as well. So I don't have a problem with the Celtics being there or the Warriors. You got Steph Curry. Everyone in the NBA is going to be looking forward to the return of Steph Curry. And I think with the addition of Kelly Oubre, 
I certainly think the Warriors have a chance to make some noise in the Western Conference in terms of getting possibly a top five seed. Now we'll have to wait and see how that works out, but that's what I think. That is certainly what I think about the Warriors. And of course, as it usually does, the NBA has backloaded the schedule with marquee matchups after the Super Bowl is scheduled to be played on February 7th. Now, we all know when football is over, that tends to be when a lot of people tune in to basketball. That tends to be when a lot of people pay more attention. And the NBA does have some marquee matchups for after that happens on February 7th. First of all, they're going to start with Milwaukee and Denver. Clearly, that's an awesome matchup. You got Giannis versus the up-and-coming Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. We'll see what Michael Porter Jr. does this year. And then February 12th, we have the Pelicans at the Mavericks. Again, Zion versus Luka. A lot of eyeballs will be on that. And then February 14th, we have the Lakers and the Nuggets, a re a rematch of the Western Conference Finals. So obviously, that's a great game. And then finally, we have Brooklyn at the Lakers on February 18th. And that, I think that might be the game most everybody's looking forward to, to be quite honest with you. I think everyone is thirsting to see Kevin Durant versus LeBron James once again, and really Kevin Durant versus LeBron when their teams are a little bit more evenly matched. Now, we all know when KD met LeBron in the finals, we all know what it was. KD had the better team, and it wasn't just by a little. It was by a lot, especially in 2018. So I think fans will really be eager to see KD versus LeBron again and really see him with evenly matched teams and really come out with who they think is the better player at this moment in time. But it doesn't end there. We also got the Miami Heat at the Lakers in an NBA Finals rematch on February 20th. So you look at all those games after the Super Bowl is going to be played, and the NBA has purposely backloaded its schedule to try to get viewers and ratings because we all know in the bubble, the ratings kind of took a dip. Now, I'm not going to get into why that may be because it's for a plethora of reasons. I don't think it's just any one reason like some people would have you believe. But either way, neither here nor there, it did happen. So the NBA has got to try to make up for it. And I was surprised that they didn't put the Nets and the Lakers either in the first game or the Christmas Day game, but they didn't do that. They instead went the Warriors and Nets, went with the Warriors and Nets, excuse me. So good on the NBA, I think. All in all, it'll end up working out. And after seeing the first half of the schedule, I got to say, I'm pretty excited about it. No doubt in my mind, I'm excited about it. And I am excited for the NBA to get rolling again. I know it's been a short time frame, but there are a lot of players we haven't seen for a long time. And one of those being Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry has a chance to come out this season and really put his mark on this season. We'll see what he does with the Warriors. But he is one of those players I am certainly excited to watch the season and i'm excited that the season is starting a little bit earlier than maybe some expected and with tip off just about under two weeks away it is that time where we got to look at a handful of teams and we got to look at them and ask ourselves whether we believe they will be better or worse this upcoming season so i've picked a handful of teams to get into and whether i think they'll be better or worse so let's just get this thing going number one i have the philadelphia 76ers now do i think they'll be better or worse i'm going to go with better on this one and i think doc rivers makes all the difference for this teams and not to mention their free agency i mean their free agency was great they had one of the biggest free agency signing periods of any team in the nba i mean getting seth curry 
getting Danny Green and getting Dwight Howard, it fits into what this team, I believe, is going to try to do. And it gets them something they've severely lacked for a few years, and that's shooting. Now, when they did have shooting in the case of J.J. Redick, we all know what they did that year. They came within a game of beating, within a shot really possibly, of beating the Toronto Raptors and moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I am kind of expecting the same type of season from the 76ers this year as that year. And we'll have to see how everything plays out, but Doc Rivers, to me, makes all the difference. I think that he can find a way to get Ben Simmons and Embiid to play well together. And I think the fact that Maury, like I said, added those shooters, it already fits Ben Simmons and that team better than it did before. And I just have faith that Doc Rivers does a better job coaching younger players than possibly older players who already have their mark in the league. Now, I know he won a championship with the Celtics, and those guys were a little bit older. But I look at the Clippers. Those are guys that have already been made, and he didn't do so well. But before Kawhi and Paul George got there, I mind you, they did do really well. So I think if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are open to being coached, they certainly will be, and they will certainly be a top team in the East next season. And for that reason, I have them as being better next year. Now, the next team is a bit more interesting, and that is the Clippers. Will they be better or worse next year? And to me, I think the answer is worse. I think their roster's gotten worse, and there's rumors about them wanting to trade Lou Williams, which I think even makes them worse after losing Montrez Harrell. I think losing Montrez really made them worse to begin with, but also losing Lou Williams possibly? Oh, yeah. They'll definitely be worse. I just don't think this team has the same type of depth that it had last year. And one of the biggest things last year is the depth was huge for them because people like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George don't like to play every game, mainly Kawhi Leonard. So you needed that depth to kind of stay alive in the Western Conference seedings. Without that depth, I just don't see how they can become better. Do I think they'll be a top four team in the West? Of course I do, because Kawhi Leonard is that good. But when I'm looking at them, do I really think they have legit championship aspirations this year? I don't. I mean, unless some injuries happen, then maybe. But I think the Nuggets are going to be better than them again this year. I mean, they already beat them last year, so how can you not think they're going to go into this year better than them? So for me, it's it, it's simple. Even though they got Surge, though, Surge is a nice pickup, and he does fit that team. But they lost a big piece of their bench. So to me... That's what's going to make them worse next season. Now let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Will they be better or worse? And in my opinion, I think they will be better next season. They had a couple of key offseason acquisitions, that including Robert Covington and Ennis Cantor, and I think that really shores up a lot of their problems. I mean, Covington, he's a good 3 and D guy, and then they also kept Carmelo Anthony, so... I would grade their offseason as being a B or an A. I think they had one of the best offseasons of any team in the NBA. And I think for that, they will be an improved team this year, especially since the fact that they ended with the eighth seed last year. I mean, pretty much anything they do this year that's not in the eighth seed would be an improvement. They could get the seven, six, five, four. But ultimately, I am kind of of the mindset that this team could end up being a top five team in the West. And I certainly would not be surprised at all. 
if they were. So I look at Portland as a team that definitely this offseason got a lot better, and they're going to be a team in the West to watch out for. I think they're going to surprise some folks. Now, with the acquisition of Drew Holiday, a hot topic around the NBA, or a hot debate, I should say, around the NBA, is whether or not people think that the Milwaukee Bucks got better with that move. And to me, I think they stayed about the same. I don't really think they got better, but I don't really think they got worse either. Now, one thing, as I said before on this podcast, is if they were able to get Bogdanovich, then they would be definitely better. There'd be no question about it in my mind. He adds a different component to this team, and he adds a component that would that's what this team needs, to be quite frank with you. But just the addition of Drew Holiday while losing Eric Bledsoe, to me, just doesn't do it for this team. I think this team has championship aspirations. Obviously, when you have a two-time reigning MVP of the league, you have championship aspirations, and that's all you're looking for when you finish with the number one seed two years in a row. But I just don't believe they got better with that move. I don't. I still see them as a team that's not going to get to the finals. And if getting to the finals is really the ultimate goal for the Milwaukee Bucks, which it is, they did not get better in my mind. And that's just my opinion. And that's why I have a hard time believing that Giannis will sign the Supermax before the season starts. But I've been wrong before, and I could definitely be wrong about this. But if you're going to ask me right now, did the Milwaukee Bucks get better this offseason? The answer is no. But I also don't think they got worse. I think they kind of pretty much stayed the exact same of where they'll be next season. They might get the number one seed next season. Yes, they might. But that doesn't mean, as we've seen the last two years when it comes playoff time, that does not mean they're going to get to the finals. And it does not mean they're the best team in the East. So be interesting to see. But for me, the Milwaukee Bucks stayed just about the same. And now, better or worse, we have to move on to the Miami Heat. This is the last team on my better or worse list. And this one is a bit more simple. I think the Miami Heat will be a little worse this year. Meaning, I don't foresee them making the NBA Finals again. And really, when you look at their past season success, what they would need to do to get better is win the championship. If they were able to get a, say, James Harden, maybe I would look at that a little bit differently. But since they have not yet, and we're grading them with the teams that they have right now, I do think the Miami Heat will be a little worse next season. And I do think possibly teams like the Bucks could be better than the Miami Heat next season, a team that the Miami Heat pretty much handled in the bubble playoffs. But as I said before, I kind of think the bubble playoffs with Miami Heat were a little misleading. I didn't, I mean, they weren't that good in the regular season, that's for sure. But when they entered the bubble, they certainly were. And I think that the losses of people like Dre Crowder, that's going to be a big, big deal for the Miami Heat moving forward. I think that's a an underrated loss that I think they will feel a lot because he's not just someone that can knock down a three and catch and shoot at a high rate. No, he, that's not just what he does. He's physical. He plays defense. He's a dog. He fits that team's personality. So it's a big loss for the Heat. And because of that, I think the Heat kind of take a step backward this season, and I don't think they will find themselves in the finals again. And for that reason, I believe the Miami Heat will end up worse this season than they were last season. But that'll do it for today's show, folks. It is Tuesday, December 8th. 
Thank you all for listening. And of course, if you like the podcast, be sure to give it a follow on Spotify or be sure to add it to your favorites on the podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do not be shy to share it around with all your friends that love basketball as well. As I always say, the more, the merrier. The more that we can talk basketball with, the merrier it will be. And do not forget to follow me on Facebook as I am on Facebook now. You can just search up above the rim. It should be pretty easy for you all to find. Of course, I'm working on getting other social media outlets out there. But for now, it's just Facebook. It should be easy to find, though. So definitely give that a search. And that is where you can join in on the conversation as I would love you to. But as I said, that'll do it for today's show. We'll have to see what happens between now and Thursday. But It's the NBA. I wouldn't doubt a lot could happen until then, but we'll just have to wait and see, and I will see you then.